Are you excited about this upcoming season and making it your best year ever? Still not sure where to start with knowing your numbers and running a predictably profitable business? We want to introduce you to a brand new resource called the Know Your Numbers Profitability and Pricing Calculator, available exclusively at the Entrepreneur Academy. We're here to help you understand how to recover your overhead, calculate your man-hour rate, price lawns correctly, budget a profitable margin, and so much more. You deserve to have the best information that you can to help you build your business and run it as profitably as possible. Get a handle on knowing your numbers today with the Profitability and Pricing Calculator exclusively available at LawEntrepreneurAcademy.com. Hello and welcome to the Growing Green Podcast. Your host, Jeremiah Jennings, is the owner of Growing Green Landscapes in Birmingham, Alabama, and has a passion for growing the entrepreneurship community for those who are young in business. Being a business owner isn't easy, especially in the early years, and that's why in this show we dive into a wide range of topics covering all the challenges small business owners deal with. Even if your company is generating a million dollars or more, the stories from our great guest and Jeremiah's own firsthand experiences will propel your business forward. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Jennings. What's up, guys? We are live on the same floor, the showroom floor here. Everybody's walking around having a good time, and we are honored to sit down with Malcolm Miller from Landform Design Group. And Malcolm, man, it's an honor to sit here and, and talk to you today. We just got to meet today, but I am so excited for this interview. Um, the stuff that you've already heard, that you said on stage, talking about some of the projects you've done, talking on these other podcasts, it's insane. Um, some of the things you've accomplished in your in your business, in your life. And so let's just, I want to jump straight into the meat and potatoes. Like, I mean, bring it, bring whatever you got. What? Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the business you've built. Well, thank you, Jeremiah. I uh, got invited here by Angelique after uh, Sync Magazine wrote an article about our business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Paul was asking me, well, how did you get involved with that? And I remember reading the publication, and I saw somewhere where they were asking, do you have a project to share? And I immediately thought, you know, I have several that I could bring to their <laughs> attention. But uh, like you saw on the panel, Over Yonder Key um, was a private island project in the Bahamas that we were a part of, and it, it was multiple years of the design and build of it. And myself and some of my colleagues were a part of that project for years to come. And so I got a hold of Angelique and said, I think I got a story for you. And uh, they, they, they wrote the, the story, and they also put us on the cover of one of their issues. Yeah. Um, and that, that project, again, was over yonder key in the Exuma Bahamas. Um, just looking at it on the map, the, the waters are mesmerizing, and you can't not, not look at it just because it's such a beautiful. Yeah, it's too pretty. Too pretty. Um, but we got involved with that around 2009 through some sort of contact and I had been working throughout the Bahamas on other projects as well and just through the, the you know the coconut telegraph as we'll say uh, I got asked to look at this this project and um, kind of dove in from there so 
let's let's go back to the beginning if you if you don't mind or or as far back as you want to go. But how did I mean, you're sitting here? You're talking about the Bahamas like it's nothing. Like oh, we work in the Bahamas because because you, you have like you, yeah, you've done it. You've done it so much. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things that's in our backyard. But to the um, average listener, you're like, bro, it's the Bahamas. Like, you, what are you talking about? And so, how did you even start? You're from, you're from South Florida, Fort yep. Lauderdale, so yeah. it's not that far from you. No. But I mean, how did you even start? Like, how did you even find a project in the Bahamas? Well, before I started my own firm um, back in 2001. Um, I worked for a large landscape architecture firm, uh, EDSA, Edward D. Stone and Associates. Mm -hmm. And that was an international design firm. Um, And so my time there, I got put on some projects that uh, we were working on. um, One well-known project, Atlantis, over in Paradise Island. Oh, wow, yeah. So our office was the... uh, the head planners of, of that project and where I wasn't involved in the initial design part of team of it I was uh, asked to go back there and help uh, th- they had some small hurricanes that went through there and did a little bit of damage here and there and I, at the time I was the point man in the office for doing oh, wow. hurricane restoration work um, so I started doing work in Puerto Rico a lot of work in Puerto Rico um, down on the Virgin Islands um, and British West Indies, Turks and Caicos, and Bahamas, and you know, it's our industry. It's kind of small in an overall global sense, but even in in those areas, it's one of those things where, oh, you know, they, a lot a lot of developers and builders will go and see what other properties and who was working on them. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I got a phone call or through you know, like I said, the Coconut Telegraph heard I was in the area and they just asked me to come by and look at it. And I immediately became interested in the project, and basically uh, they invited me to come look at it, and uh, I left my travel bag in one of the rooms on purpose so I could come back. Yeah. And uh, uh, I was back probably that that next week or week after, and and we jumped in full time. Wow. So So, how did you start your own company? um, I was at that point where I decided, you know what, I – I was actually doing some moonlight work when I was working in the islands and, and to keep me occupied at night, I would try to pick up um, smaller little side jobs just to keep supplementing, you know, what I was doing at the time. Yeah. And uh, my wife at the time had a great job and we just bought our first house and she's like, look, if you want to start your company, now's the time to do it before we start a family. So I evidently jumped ship and, and started my own little design firm and started hustling and every time I would go to the islands to go have one meeting I would make it a point to always come back with a contact and or hopefully a new a new prospect for a new project wow I would drive around and just stop at job sites I'd hand out business cards I'd knock on doors and I'm not afraid to pick up the phone Mm -hmm. and through persistence just started getting asked to submit proposals and kind of went from there i i really had very little business development experience yeah and other than doing what i do i really knew nothing about starting your own company and and keeping it going but those are things you learn easy on (laughs) um as as you do start out and just through some uh connections with some architects and engineers started to become available and and next thing you know they, they start calling you to come help help them out with work 
Yeah. So I want to jump in here in just a minute onto some of these projects that you've done and, and talk about some of the more detail-oriented things. But before that, you said you're not afraid to pick up the phone. You're not afraid to go out and hand out business cards. Right. Would you say that's a huge part in why you've grown your business to what it is today? Well, it is because establishing relationships and then understanding um, who the key components are to actually get noticed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was before uh, websites were really, you know, an easy thing to prepare and yeah. do. Um, our promotional packets were more of a, a handheld item, mm-hmm. um, almost like a, a, a performer packet or whatnot. And I didn't have the funds to, to hire graphics people and, and uh, publicists and whatnot to create that advertising. So, like I said, I picked up the phone and would call architects and let them know, hey, here's what I do. Um, here's my portfolio, and, and let's go from there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, with the Internet and email and all that, that's made it more simple to kind of blast out, um, you know, your portfolio and, and a firm profile of what you do. So I think through those connections and, and friendship connections, you know, a lot of the work we have is repeat client work. Um, and so I have architects I've been working with for 20-plus years. Yeah, you may build those relationships build early. Those, yeah, for sure. And, you know, every year I try to get one or two new ones um, to keep the demand up. And, uh, yeah, it's been been successful. What's some advice you would give? So a lot of the guys listening to this show are lawn maintenance business owners. They're design, getting to some, to some design stuff, some softscapes, things like that, smaller businesses. So they're trying to grow. Like spring is about to be here. You know, sure. I mean, you know, you remember those days, like yeah. spring rush is here. And yep. so... What are some, what's some advice, some tips you would give on, like you're saying, pick up the phone and calling people, or how, how, are, how do you even, how would you recommend going about getting your name out there right now, this time of year? Like, don't be afraid to make that phone call. What is it? Yeah, it's all about selling yourself and what you do. So, you know, obviously, uh, a lot of people revert to social media um, in advertising. A lot of people revert to the web. Um, and I didn't have a website for many, many years because I couldn't afford to even hire somebody to put one together, let alone the time and the knowledge of constructing the body and and putting in um, the aspects of trying to put that package together. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, it works for a lot of people. I Again, when I started out, I I didn't advertise. I didn't put my name. Back in the day, we had phone books, not, not, not the Internet. So I didn't advertise in the phone book, but... I'd say to those guys that are out there, you know, out in the field and whatnot, that's where I started. That's how I got passionate about what I do. And I think those guys that want to promote their business, it's it's knowing knowing what you do and being able to, to put that in a form of media that you can send out for people to know who you are. Mm. Um, and, it, it, you know, back in my day, it was, it was mailers or handing out packets of, you know, your, your company and what you do. So I would say to them, you know, if you can buddy up with somebody that does internet web design, mm-hmm. um, does graphic design, cause I didn't have the ability to put those graphics together. And so I relied on friends that, that I worked with in the past. Yeah. You delegated that, that out. Yeah. And so we barter, we would barter services or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, just because I didn't have that budget in my business to do. But, you know, I would say, and, and, you know, our business is very competitive, just like other businesses. You got to, you got to, you got to do something or, or, or have a niche that 
calls yourself out to be a little different than the other guy. Yeah, you have to know what, like, what sets yourself apart, and you have to be able to yeah. relay that. Yeah, I mean, in South Florida, landscaping is a huge business. It's year-round work. Mm-hmm. We don't have to deal with snow or winter winter activities, and it's very cutthroat. Um, and the maintenance business, it's something that's required every single day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like nursing or medical or other businesses. Even in this state of our country of being in a decline and possible recession, you know, things like maintenance and, and, <laughs> and further, continue. it's going to continue no yeah. matter what. The grass is going to grow. You know, yep. the trees are going to grow. You're going to need to water it and fertilize it and take care of it. So it's, it's, it's having that, that catchy, you know, phrase or, or just getting your name out there and, and trying to, you know, spread the word on what you do. Yeah, and, and that is the relaying, and that's the biggest thing that I think you need to take away is because you have to not only know what sets you apart, but then also be able to tell a customer that. Because if a customer doesn't know that, then why would they choose you? Exactly. They, if what they don't know is they don't know. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, again, I, I put myself where I even have, you know, I, I get business through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the same way. If I if I need a plumber or handyman for something, I don't look in the phone book. I'll I'll ask friends, like, who yeah. can you recommend? Have and, you ever been uh, in networking groups or anything like that? You know, I was involved in one early on, and it just wasn't for me because mm-hmm. it was demanding. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the group needed a landscape architect. And my buddy was in one as a computer IT guy, so he introduced me in. And I just i I was on the road a lot, mm-hmm. and so I that's hard. I, yeah, so I expressed. I said, "Look, I'm not going to be able to make every meeting." Yeah, I think it was once or twice a month that we would meet. Yeah, and be for several hours. And I, I, I just valued that time more into producing the work that I was producing. The, you know, you can't get paid until you finish a job. So yeah, you gotta you gotta keep production going. So let's hop into that. Let's talk job specifics here. You. Physically built an island in the Bahamas, a private island, correct? correct? Yeah. What? Like, what does that even look like? How does that even start? It's... You were talking about reverse osmosis, not having drinking water, concrete not yeah, showing I mean, up. Like, you know, first of all, it's the necessity of just being able to live there day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So we had to create... We had to, we had to basically build a tiny city, so to speak, Um we had to bring in workers from all over, so we had to build a man camp, as it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought our uh, housing trailers from some folks out of Louisiana, the Katrina tra- trailers yep. that were brought in to house those that lost their homes and whatnot during mm-hmm. Hurricane Katrina. So we brought in a dozen housing uh, trailers and even built some, you know, makeshift uh, <laughs> shanty town type, you know, uh, accommodations. And uh, we built a cafeteria to feed everyone. I had to bring in cooks. Then we started mobilizing and bringing in equipment, heavy equipment, and start, you know, moving rock and, and cutting this. And, and they had to build, you know, generation systems at first. So you're just working on a on a barren piece of ground it in was, the middle of the... I, I call it the rock because that's what it was. Okay. And uh, shovels were not... A, you could not use a shovel at that time. You needed you need to dig holes with either backhoes or, or yeah. chipping hammers. Yeah, and uh, so you know, just getting up and running was a challenge. And and uh, my past experience working on other uh, island developments kind of helped me navigate that. 
and you basically there was a lot of things we, we were self-taught as we went um, and you learn you learn a lot working on a project like that um, and like I said you you almost wish for the next project because there's so many things that you would not do mm-hmm. that you wish you would have known about and as I say every project there's a learning aspect to it and you just try to apply that the next on the next go around but um, yeah I mean it's tough and slow at first and you know we, we called it Groundhog Day for a little while because it, yeah. it was but it, it's one of those things that things finally started evolving it, it, it you know started becoming a I wouldn't call it a, a well-greased oil machine, but um, it, had, it did have its daily challenges. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning into the show today. We're going to hop right back into it in just a second, but I wanted to see if you're following us on Instagram. We're on Instagram at Growing Green Landscapes. All of our socials are that, but come on over to Instagram. We actually post daily polls on our Instagram stories where you just get to stay connected with each other and have a good time. We post polls on just random stuff, like whether to wear short sleeve or long sleeve shirts in the summer, whether it's a 2 by 4 or a 4 by 2 truck, all the things there. That's a little inside joke that if you're on Instagram, you would see and be a part of. So come check us out on Instagram at Growing Green Landscapes so you can catch up with, th- with us there when we're not on the podcast. But without any further ado, let's hop back into the show. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the challenges along the way. So you started with a rock. Yeah. You brought in your people. You brought in your work, your your workers. Uh, was this a project that you were there like most of the time or how did that? Yeah, I that project I spent 18 months. I say full time, but luckily the owner had a couple seaplanes out of Florida. So I, every Monday I'd go down, me and some guys would go down, and every Friday or Saturday go home Come for home. a day or two. How long was that flight? Like an uh, hour? It was an hour and a half. Yeah, we so would, not. We would stop and clear customs in Chub Key, and then then it'd be another hour from there. So it was about a, about a ninety minute um, commute each way. Did the workers stay there the whole time? Yes, uh, the majority of the workers were local Bahamians that would come in from other islands. Okay. Um, I did mention a lot of them came from neighboring islands that yeah. we would go pick up in, in our boats. Okay. So we had staff boats running in the morning and the afternoon uh, running staff guys. Back really? So they would just come for the day? Yeah. They would just come up. Wow. Yeah, because they'd go home at night. Yeah, yeah. And then other other uh, labor guys would, would basically come and stay as long as they were there. That's crazy. And so maybe they would go home every three months or something. Yeah. That I, is I was fortunate enough to, to have a ride home every week, and I had young children at the time, and um, <laughs> I'd get home and be like, man, you guys grew while I was gone. Yeah, yeah. You blew up overnight. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. But it, it's, it was one of those projects that, that having my own business, it was the biggest one for me at the time. And I, I took it by the horns, and I said, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll never look back. It, it was very time-consuming, and, and it, it, I was away a lot of the time, but it was very rewarding in that aspect as well. Yeah. It's, it's, so you, you ha- how did you get water? Uh, that's, I mean, that's one of the we basics. We brought in the RO reverse osmosis machines. Um, and, like I said, I needed upwards of 10,000 gallons of water a day just to to water my landscape and that grew every week as as we were planting more and more but they were pouring concrete at the same time and so uh, we would have to fight over water and we tried to collect as much water as we could but a lot of times we didn't get any rain so does the concrete matter does can it not be mixed with the ocean water no yeah you cannot have salt there because there's rebar in ah, so it'll, steel it'll, into 
the concrete mm, to help bind the concrete. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the, the salt, salt would erode, erode it. and it would, it, you know. Degrade, so you, so they were taking your drinking water for concrete. They were. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, and uh, there were times where I'd, I'd, I'd see uh, rain clouds ahead, mm-hmm. and I'd just pray for rain because rainwater was. Y'all were collecting it, right? We were collecting as much as we could, yeah. but it wouldn't last long. Yeah. Um, and the rainwater we tried to use for irrigation as much as possible because the reverse osmosis water had little to no nutri- nutrients in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than just wetting the roots of the plant. Yeah, just uh, to keep them alive. Just to keep them alive. And, uh, you know, to supplement that with additives was also an expensive endeavor. Yeah. So, but I, I would see rain clouds and, and pray that it would come, and I don't know what it would be, but as soon as it got to where we were, the, <laughs> the clouds would divide and go around us. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, no rain. That's insane. Yeah. I bet you got a good tan during that 18 months. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I always told people the way I'm going to go out of this world is either uh, sun cancer or a plane crash. Yeah, but, yeah, one of the two. Yeah. And I've, I've been pretty lucky. I, I, first start, I just started going to a dermatologist a couple of years ago, and, my God, I... I I was fortunate enough to not have too many uh, things scraped off of me, so uh, yeah, I I do encourage sunscreen for everybody to use. And luckily, my neighbor she was a rep for a very high-end sunscreen company, so I would come home on weekends and she'd always hand me a bag of free sunscreen. Oh, well, so there you go. That you was fortunate. Did uh, so, y'all were just what what part of the island were y'all doing? Like, were you physically working on? Were you building like the construction aspect of it? Like the my, housing? What, no, my what was on the island? Was it a house? Was it a... No, so the the, the program of the island was a, a private owner out of the United States, and he wanted to build a couple villas for himself and his family, so we had four villas um, that were placed throughout the island that we sited on, on the island. Um, obviously, we needed to have staff housing, mm-hmm. um, back of house. So back of house incorporated the renewable energy components of the wind generators and the solar panels. Uh, we did have a uh, a battery building that housed 475 batteries that the solar and the wind would charge up yep. as it went. So the inverters would create the battery um, power into usable power that we would use to run the homes, run the water makers, um, and anything that required electricity. Uh, There was a marina that was built in the marina building. We built a plane ramp for the seaplanes. We we built uh, some pavilions down by the beach that we built a resort pool with a tennis court and some volleyball um, and some areas to to house, uh, to have dinners and whatnot outdoor functions and, and, and so all and all this has like land y'all put in landscape as well correct so i i my job was to deal with a lot of the site grading um for the roadways we have two and a half miles of road on this property all all done with uh concrete pavers oh cool yeah we were we were trying to come up with what would be a uh a sustainable type material yeah and i lost the battle on on that i I tried to find, I found this product um, that was a permeable type um, product that they started, like the military used it, I believe, in the Middle East to build runways. Mm-hmm. And it would allow water to pass through it. And you could basically mix this polymer additive with um, like local lime rock and it would become this hardened surface. And then you can kind of roll it to 
to be whatever you wanted it to be. Well, we did some test trips, and I even had the rep come out, and we tried to use that for our road system, but we just couldn't get it to work, and why, I don't know, but it just didn't work out. So, um, But we, we did the grading for, for the site. I had hardscape crews putting in um, stone columns and veneers for all the walls, and we would go out in the bush and grab just native rock. Really? Um, like I said up in the discussion, we... We had, to, we, had, we had to build a road up to the, the, the master villa, and for the grading to work for the road, we had to cut, we had to cut through a hill that, that exposed the side escarpments of, of this hilltop with, with limestone, and it just wasn't a very aesthetic look to it. Mm-hmm. And so we actually went out in the bush and got native rock and applied it to the wall and mudded it to the wall. And it's like this beautiful natural stone rock wall. Wow, and from the island. From the island, yeah. <laughs> that makes it even better. And like I said, there was wind turbine generators. Well, these 110-foot wind generators required a massive foundation, 30-foot mm-hmm. diameter holes dug 20 feet deep. Holy cow. Just to support the base of, of these um, these tall wind generators. So we actually excavated the limestone while cutting those holes out, and I used those blocks to create retaining walls. Mm-hmm. We saw cut the limestone on site and created stone steps with them, stepping stones. Yep. So, you know, we tried to we tried to use some of these practices to... You uh, recycled ha- a lot of this stuff. Too. Yeah. Uh, like I said, everything has to be shipped in. Yeah. There's a price for that. Yeah. It's and not cheap. It's not cheap. You got to pay duty. You got to pay VAT tax. So it may cost 10 bucks in the States, but you got 28% duty and another 12% VAT tax, you know, that almost, and then you got to ship it. Mm-hmm. So that, that $10 item costs you 25 to $30 to get there. And then you put that into hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. It, it, and it adds up over quickly, time. Quickly. Yeah. Quickly compounds. Yeah. Um, I did order a majority of the plant material out of Florida, but I also tried, I went to other islands and, and tried to buy locally as well. Mm-hmm. We had guys, we had workers on the island that, um, either had friends or family that either had tree farms or other type of um, nurseries that, that I would go visit mm-hmm. and uh, try to buy locally within within the Bahamas to yeah. alleviate, you know, the duty and, and the VAT tax and whatnot. Was, so was this a project that, I mean, it's a private island for a dude, so I, I probably know the answer to this question, but, like, was budget really a, a problem, an issue? Like, were you having to stick within a budget? Because, like, this stuff, we tried to be budget conscious, but... To build something like that, you just got to keep an open checkbook. Yeah, I mean. Because it, it is what it is You never know what build. you're going to run into. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't think I was ever given an overall budget or had mm-hmm. to create one. But what I would do is be conscious of where we would spend our money in the right area. Yeah. You know, the front door would be the plane ramp and the marina where people come in. Yeah. The first introduced to the island. So we focused on building up those areas to be you know it's like arriving at a new resort mm-hmm. where you step off the plane or off the boat you know getting from there into your cart or golf cart to to, to go to one of the villas we create we tried to create that as an experience um so the marina and the the first arrival was a, a huge um aspect for us to make it you know just welcoming as possible uh, the owner was very, he was into collecting um, 
antique firearms and mm-hmm. ornaments. So we had a few cannons brought to oh, the property. Oh, that's really cool. And when I say he had these cannons restored. We're excited to announce that the Entrepreneur Academy Live 2022 event replay is now available exclusively at LaunchpreneurAcademy.com. I'm Mr. Producer, and if you were unable to make it to our annual live event in Novi, Michigan this past November, we've got you covered. Get instant access to the live speeches and keynotes from this amazing event and take in tons of knowledge and information from some of the biggest leaders and business owners in the green industry. Hear insights from Mark Bradley, Troy Clogg, Paver Pete, James Mansky, and so many others. These nine speeches are guaranteed to motivate, educate, and inspire you to elevate your game. Start listening now to the Entrepreneur Academy Live 2022 event replay at LauntrepreneurAcademy.com, and we'll leave a link for you in the show description. And like Civil War cannons? Yeah, I mean, like from, you know, 200 years ago. Yeah. And so I created a cannon pad for the cannon, and the story was, well, this cannon is here to protect the island. Yeah. And so we actually had... A company come out and, and create wayfinding signs, um, and actually create a story on using all these, all these you know, um, items that would be you know set into the landscape. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of signage for each of the villas, uh, this company came up with using uh, the sun and the moon and, and the wind. Those were the graphic identities for each of the homes. Wow. So when guests would come, there was different names for each of the villas. Yeah, yeah. Are you staying in sun or moon? Or? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. That so we too cool. Yeah, and again, we tried to if 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 there was plant material that we could relocate that we knew we'd have to grade grade you know the ground for, mm-hmm. we would try to relocate you know the the native palms and whatnot on the on the land there. So how big is the island? How many acres? Seventy seven acres. Pretty big island. It's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not it's not massive, but that's I mean that's still that's you got you got a lot of room to work on. Yeah, like I said, we got over two and a half miles of roadways on it, and uh, um, you know, I mentioned I mentioned on the panel uh, we ended up after after finishing the project. I think the owner's son wanted some golf action on the island, so we, really, he was friends with Ricky Fowler, and I think Ricky came in and and helped lay out. Um, a little nine-hole par three course. Real, so there's a, there's a par three course on the island. Yeah, and it's all synthetic turf. No way. The tee boxes, the greens, the fringes are all synthetic turf. Holy! So we God. found. Did y'all do that? Uh, I wasn't initially involved with the layout of it, uh-huh. but we did a lot of the grading, and like I said, we used wow. a lot of the limestone block that we excavated out for the wind towers to use as retaining walls to build the greens to yeah. create a flat, you know playable surface mm-hmm. um but some of the holes are really dramatic you got a tee box out by the marina and you're hitting over water really to the green that's over on the mainland i mean the that's marina insane. so when they built the marina um i love golf so that's that it really intrigues me yeah i i i was a golfer at one yeah. time I, I'm just oh i'm a, not any good i'm I a just, hacker yeah yeah i just but, enjoy doing but it but I, I when i was in school i first wanted to study landscape or golf course architecture um which i'm i'm glad i never pigeonholed myself to do yeah, but yeah i've always followed it and um, i love you know watching the pros play so i was i was pretty excited when they decided to build this golf course mm-hmm. I, again i'd never seen a synthetic turf 
you know, golf course. Yeah, no, I've never heard of that before. And again, I think the the thought was, yeah, we'll we'll try to find some recycled synthetic turf to use, select the right material, and that way we didn't have to use extra water to water it. Mm-hmm. We didn't makes sense. We yeah. didn't need to bring in you know golf maintenance a maintenance crew, yeah, because that in itself is like you know handling a baby, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, um, they'd have to be there. They'd have to live there. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no way. Yeah, I mean, I had. I think five full-time landscape maintenance guys that I would go visit every other month mm-hmm. and help train them and yeah. created a maintenance manual for them. I, I tried to create a manual so that if anyone walking off the street opened it up, they would know what to do on they Monday. They would out. know what to do on Tuesday. They would know what to do on Wednesday. And so we split the island into five sections, and each guy was responsible for their section and um, How long did that last? Did that, like, does it still have to be up? I mean, oh yeah, it, really? As you know, maintenance never ends. Yeah, yeah. And the Bahamas is we consider harsh conditions. Really, wind, salt. I mean, you can't get away from the salt. So uh, that'll take it. Do you, so like that factors into all the kind of plants you put out there. Correct. I mean, yeah. I mean, we and I talked a little bit on the panel about hurricanes. I mean, you know, you got harsh storm conditions. In the winter months, there's high winds to deal mm-hmm. with for days. So when the wind's blowing 25 knots for 30 days, that's going to dry out your material. Yeah. So you got to know when to overwater. You got to know, you know. You gotta so I'm ha- assuming there's irrigation all in the. Well, or how did you do that? Because we, water we, was such an issue. Yeah, we 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 don't have irrigation on the island. Everything's hand done. Wow. So where we we do have water source hose bibs throughout the island. Mm-hmm. Um. And I tried to I tried to initiate putting in drip irrigation, but yeah. the uh, the owner and, and the management team just you know said we'll do it by hand. And I I fought tooth and nail because hand watering is so inefficient. Yeah, you yeah. lose a lot of water. Uh, you know, a guy holding the hose is not going to give the same amount of water to each plant. He's scrolling on his phone while he's switching between yeah, plants. Yeah, one, one tree is going to get ten gallons. Yeah. The other tree is going to get thirty, and then the next tree is going to get five, and yeah. it just it's not a consistent across the board. So I, I was I was really trying to strive and, and use um, um, drip, drip irrigation and whatnot, which is a challenge in itself with RO water. Um, those two don't like to work together. Yeah. Um, so um, to this day, they still hand water. And Have you been at – when was this? When, when did you complete the project? So I started designing and being on board around 2009. I think we finished um, – 2011 and 12 and probably for the next five or six years after that till about 2016 17 i was visiting um probably five or six times a year just to keep up like yeah keep an eye on things yeah i I would just show up for a couple days and just walk around and again you got to have that eye if 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 you have a pest problem you got to be able to identify it and handle it before it's too late Mm -hmm. um you know, if, if trees are dying for some reason, someone needs to know why and correct it mm-hmm. before it's too late. So I would, I would, and again, I would even defer to, to professionals in that do uh, lab analysis. I would bring guys out that grew these trees mm-hmm. and say, look, here's what's happening. You know, what do we do to rectify it? So I was kind of like that point man to be in charge of, Hey, the project may be done, but I'm still responsible for the upkeep and making it look, yeah, the, you know, the way it's supposed to. Yeah, because when the owner wasn't there, he he would charter it out to you know private people. So mm-hmm. we had, 
We had celebs. We had, you know, high-profile companies come and do retreats there. Mm -hmm. um, it would handle up to 28 guests at a time. And when, when the island was chartered out, they would fly in service people, chefs, masseuse, yeah. servers, bartenders, um, fitness people, yoga people. Yeah. On top of the, uh, um, the local people that would be on staff for the island. So do they, do they keep staff year-round, like locals? Yeah, there'd be 20 to 30 guys living there full-time. Okay. And there's still guys I worked with 10 years ago that are still that there. They're still there? Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. I mean, that. do you do you get to go back now? Do you, do you um, come I can I can visit if, you know, if I'm in the area. Yeah. Um, I was there last year yeah. just for a couple hours just to do a walkthrough. Um, you can visit the island. It's got a website. It's www.overyonderkey.com. Okay. I recommend checking it out. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that sounds really it's, cool. It's pretty fascinating. You know, it's not only just shows you the island, but it shows you all the activities that are involved. Yeah. They'll take you out fishing, diving, you know, any type of water sport you want, from mm -hmm. wave runners to kite boards and, you know, uh, paddle boards and, you know, a lot of water activities that you expect to have in that, in that type of uh, location. Um, a lot of great fishing offshore. Yeah. Golf. Like I said, we had a tennis court, a uh, volleyball court. So it's the golf course. That, that that's insane. Yeah, I mean, that's like insane. I said, you got you got to check check the website out because um, it's just one of those. Um, and I think they might even have some pricing for it, but it's, really, it's not for the average Joe. It's yeah. uh, it's a little pricey. Yeah, just a little bit. Well, for the week, it's over six figures. So yeah. you do the math, but yeah. But, oh my uh, goodness. So that's insane. Well, that that is too cool, man. What is what is your what is your why behind doing what you do? Well, I'm pa like I said, I'm passionate about botanics, and my passion is creating uh, places for people to come, visit, live, and enjoy. And you know, it's just like being an architect or a builder, building a home, a hotel, or um, you know, even a commercial building. This is where people go and live or work or, or whatnot. And so when I get asked to be part of a project. I do. I try to do as much research as I can. I try to. I try to think about how can I create this space. You know, I'm in charge of this land. I mean, there's only so much land on this earth that we have. Yeah. And so, my responsibility is also to try and be as environmentally friendly as I can. Yeah. You got to, you know, obviously think about maintenance even after you're done. You know, who's going to take care of it? So when I take on a project. It's my passion to just try to make it the best that it can be and um, that other people can enjoy. Yeah. So are you striving to do another project like that? Like, what are you doing right now? Do you all... We, uh, like I said, we're, we just landed a project, uh, a 25-acre resort project in the Turks and Caicos. That cool. We're, that we're starting immediately. I have a marina uh, project under construction in uh, Exuma, Bahamas. That. So is this like y'all's niche now? Like, y'all are pretty much... Are you almost solely working down there? Um, I'd say about 50% of my work is throughout the Caribbean and, and okay. Bahamas. Um, we're actually doing some work in Asia right now. We're doing a couple zoos in India through some collaboration. Of what? Some, some other friends that, I, that, I, that I've worked with in the past. Holy cow. So we, we've kind of broadened our, our brush a little bit. Um, and then around South Florida, just the typical... You know, residential. I enjoy doing a lot of residential because it's. So y'all still I, do residential stuff? Oh yeah, it's really. It's, we're doing residential at home. A lot. A lot of these multi-use developments in the islands are. They got a. They got a hotel component. They have a condo component. There's a marina. 
Um, and there's even private homes and villas. Mm-hmm. And so we get asked to look at every piece of dirt, you know, yeah. on, on that on every, that property. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're we're looking to start some new work down in Barbuda and Antigua later in the year. Um, that's coming on the boards, and um, we've been asked by even like Sandals to possibly really? look at helping them out with some renovation work wow. to all their resorts. Um, that we haven't insane. landed it yet, but we're still in communication with them. It may or may not go. Who yeah. knows? But you know, it's it's just that's kind of our backyard, and we kind of now we've we've learned throughout the years on how things work and mm-hmm. so do y'all have a website that we could look at yeah it's uh, www.landform-design.com cool y'all like portfolio and all that we on there we have a portfolio on there and, and it's got myself and my partner Randy Hoffacker and uh, it talks a little bit about what we do and it shows a lot of the projects that we've worked on yeah um, and you know some of it's master planning there's a lot of work that we get involved with that never gets built mm. and there's a lot of reasons behind that whether it's economics or uh not enough investor uh, involvement not yeah. en- you know so you know there's a lot of processes initially that that we get brought into but there's sometimes that things just never get it never makes it to never makes it to the drawing board how many employees do y'all have uh right now we're two just two designers but we we uh, sub out we everything. sub out a lot of cad work we uh we have guys overseas that we send out in, in the afternoons that here's what's done and when we get back the next morning it's on our email and we just kind of incorporate that with what we're doing so and then y'all sub out the actual so are y'all like a gc we're kinda? not a gc we're we're strictly landscape architects so and designers but a lot of the work we do in the islands we're we're, we're boots on the ground you're, yeah yeah and then i i've got guys that 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 work for us part-time okay and pull in so um and I had a few employees in the past, but it was it was just a lot of work to manage it. Mm-hmm. And with me being gone a lot, you know, I, I didn't have time to. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it, but it's like babysitting. Babysitting, yeah. But unless there's someone there, you know, as my dad used to say, it's, it's like a one-man band. And if you step off the stage, yep. music stops. So, yep. But I I enjoy just staying small and, and trying to be able to select what, what we do. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, yeah. where can somebody, if they want to. I know there's guys out that are listening that have bigger design build companies and they're like, maybe want to get to this level of money. How can they connect or, or hear from more about you? I mean, maybe ask questions or Instagram or something like Facebook. Well, they can always, you know, get a hold of me and I'm, I'm always happy to talk to anyone about, you know, for them kind of get themselves to the next level. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I told you when I was younger, I was a hustler and yeah. I, didn't, I didn't, wasn't afraid to pick up the phone. So I would call people and ask questions and say, look, I'd like to throw my ring in the hat. How do I do this? Yeah. And that even happens today. Yeah. Um, Always trying to be better. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, you know, trying to, you know, from one project to the next, yeah. do the next best thing. Yeah, I hear you. So can they reach you on the website? How, what is the best way to get in touch with you? I would say email me or call me. Okay. Yeah, my, uh, my number is 954-461-6191. It's Malcolm Miller at Landform Design Group. Um, or they can send me an email at Malcolm at Landform. Email. Yeah, Malcolm at Landform-Design.com. Email, email, guys. Email's best, email. yeah. Email. Don't blow, up, don't blow up Malcolm's phone. Yep. Be respectful this time. Exactly. Email, <laughs> email and uh, 
he will get back to you when his schedule allows. Absol- so, absolutely, yeah. That, that's the best way to do it. That's that's awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate your time. I uh, we're, we're over here. I don't want to hold you much longer, but I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us today. And uh, thanks for everybody tuning in and listening. If you enjoyed it, leave us a big five-star rating and review. Those help us. And without any further ado, that's going to wrap this one up. And we look forward to catching up with everybody here on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Growing Green Podcast. It is an honor to have you listening, and we hope you receive valuable advice to help take your business to the next level. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode drops.